All right. Well, welcome to our second episode of season five, Healing Together. Healing Together. <laughs> I must say, uh, friend, our last episode, I think, got a lot of uh, traction. People were listening. Um, we didn't get a lot of comments, but I think a lot of people were listening. So I'm grateful for that. Uh, and it was fire. It like, was. I mean, <laughs> that too. All the connections all of that, that dropped with your own story, your own health journey, tied in it to scripture and healing. Like, I'm still in episode number one and excited about episode number two so yeah people better listen and comment (laughs) um yeah we'd like to hear what you thought so uh what's good (laughs) i'll go first uh just because (laughs) the laughter is just so that i can keep from crying um So last episode, I talked about, uh, here we go. (laughs) Embrace it, friend. Breathe into it. All right. (laughs) So the last episode, I talked about uh, being in love and having my partner and us trying to blend our families together. And in between our last recording and now, uh, my beloved partner has died. So (laughs) you are getting a very raw Tamika this time. Um, And I still feel like this is a very healing space, which is why I am still doing this. But it's uh it's been a rough, rough only twelve days now. Twelve days. Twelve whole days. Mm-hmm. Um I must say that grief is a bitch <laughs> and <laughs> um this has been probably the hardest thing I've ever done and had to live through in my life. And, uh, yeah, I'm about to turn 41. So it's, it's very sobering. Um, it's heartbreaking, it's all the things. So you're going to hear a lot of rawness. Uh, I think this uh, episode coming from my own grief right now but uh, again I do feel like this is a more healing space than most places right now so it feels good to share this uh, this moment with y'all right now thank you friend thank you always for your vulnerability and um Gosh, it has been a whole 12 days Um, and like being with you in this time, um, just like you said, it's just been heartbreaking and so unexpected and um, hmm. And, and I feel like too, like this 
our podcast like healing together like yeah. when we initially even like came up with like the title um i never realized how much of um like a real life testimony would become like healing together especially in this moment like you are held by so many people and like even now um so it's just like yeah um this is the journey that we're on um yeah thank you friend and thank you so much for just being there the way that you have been it's been really lovely I do have moments of just feeling aloneness but the amount of people who have surrounded me this time has really shown me the love that actually exists so much um, for and with me and the love that I have shared with so many people. So I, I know I'm not alone. (laughs) It's just that the, the pain, the grief is mine, right? I can't share that fully with anyone. Um, so that is where the aloneness uh, like kind of resides. But when it comes down to like actually going through this, mm-hmm. I have not, I could not imagine the type of support and love that has come my way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for that, I am so grateful. The messages, um, the tenderness that I have received um, and the kindness of so many people just checking in or not needing me to be like responsive, but still wanting me to know that they are present. Mm -hmm. That has been very healing and very, well, just what I need. (laughs) But all that to say, um, I think this month's conversation is actually so appropriate. It's like what you were saying, friend, like we didn't anticipate that this was going to be the reality we were doing this season. <laughs> like it's, uh, no, nope. yeah. Like that wasn't something we were actually even thinking of. We were just thinking about how we had been surviving through this pandemic. Right. And like the things we were learning about healing through that, Mm-hmm. But this, this feels like super real. And I mean, cause it is y'all, but also <laughs> it's just like, I didn't anticipate that I would be grieving the loss of my, my partner. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's where I am. Mm-hmm. But what about you friend? I know I'm just switching real quick, but <laughs> what are you doing? What are you up to? Ooh, I, I mean, I can't, I mean, in full transparency, um, I have been like deeply moved mm-hmm. um, by like seeing you like navigate this space of grief. Um, and and a part of that is like in this Lenten season, um, I'll probably share this on our on our a page, but uh, Faith for Justice just released their devotional called We Are Healed, which I was super excited because we were talking about, is there a Lenten devotional on healing? And bam, here it is. And in the first week, um, 
the the topic as like generational wounds. Mm-hmm. And in my journaling time, I've realized that like in my family, we have never learned how to grieve collectively. Mm-hmm. And so seeing it being with you in it and even like acknowledging that like there's grief that I'm holding like is just like this new new experience that like I'm actually like embracing the like I guess like the practice of grief of being a necessary thing that is not something to be fearful of and as painful as it is like it is something that is like sacred um and so just I don't it has just been like um a very eye-opening and transforming time for me to even like tap into like where is it that I haven't grieved and like in the many generations of my family specifically that hasn't grieved um over what and who we've lost yeah um and so I'm holding that and um and yeah and just like journeying in that um and I think, um, and I think on the other side of it, I feel like we should call this podcast too, like being home, like home in ourselves and home in our bodies. Cause I yes. am at home in yeah. Tennessee. Tamika, you're home. I'm at home in Philadelphia. Um, <laughs> and one of the joys of being at home, um, sometimes is family. And yeah. I had the beautiful day of spending it with my niece and we went on a walk and we were outside and she's digging in the dirt. Um, and it was like this really beautiful moment um, mm. because I was like, okay, uh, Ava, I was like, give thanks to the dirt, you know, because dirt is where life comes from. So give thanks to it. And she was like, thank you, dirt. Aww. And she put it on the tree and she shook it off and she digged up some more. And then she put it on the tree again. And she was like, thank you, dirt. And I was like, oh, my baby, just like this whole, um, just kind of like this. like in my mind I often like connect things and so like again being in the season of Lent thinking of dust to dust and seeing this baby who was so full of life oh my gosh he was so full of life um holding this dirt and recognizing the life even if it's just repeating auntie's words yeah you're still saying it baby girl so um it has, um, it's actually been really good to be home and surrounded yeah. by family. And um, yeah, I'm just like, there's just a lot of, there's a spirit of gratitude in the midst of the heaviness right now. And I'm just really grateful for you. And I'm grateful for, um, yeah, family. So, yeah. Me too. Yeah. Thanks for mentioning that. Cause I am definitely home right now with my parents and my brother uh, and yeah, this is the, one of the first days that I didn't feel grief so heavily and the pain so heavily in my chest. Mm. Um, so I definitely contribute that to being at home mm. and being, feeling the safe and warmth of just being with my family, um, who know me and know me well. And mm-hmm. understand even the small little 
uh, quiet parts of myself, <laughs> knowing <laughs> knowing when I get too quiet that there's something mm-hmm. going on, and then mm-hmm. just checking in. So it's been that has also been very much a part of this healing process. It's just mm-hmm. allowing myself to be with people and not not trying to isolate myself in this um, at this time, mm-hmm. but em- embracing the love that I am mm-hmm. receiving, right? Mm-hmm. When I can. So yeah, yeah. that's really. No, healing is home. Is that what you said? Mm-hmm. That is just mm-hmm. all right. <laughs> yeah, is home. that is healing gorgeous. Is mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. I think that actually can work with what we were, what we are talking about too, right? Um, the so for this episode, we were going to focus on movement. And being is that it's Women's uh, Month and there are some marches that are happening and spring is forming, just like how movement is coming, uh, bringing us back to life. And um, I know for me uh, at this time, uh, what has been the most helpful is the moments that I take to move. Mm. Um, And that has definitely been so first I, I tend to allow myself to feel the pain and feel what I'm feeling I take deep breaths. And then when I can actually muster up the energy, I've been taking walks or doing something with my body, um, so that I can stay present in it, but also that I could get myself just not to sit too deeply into the grief. So I think this, topic of moving because I actually had to drive here <laughs> to Philadelphia taking your taking the time to to move yourself and um to embody mm-hmm. everything that's happening um within you and around you uh is some of the most healing parts of, mm-hmm. of yeah some of the most things what am I trying to say it can be the most one of the most healing things you can do movement that's what i'm trying to say 100 percent, 100 and actually like when we like when we were like drawing out what the episodes are going to be for the season and we talked about movement my mind went to just in a really difficult space in like um my relationship um um with mark and like this challenge of like i knew in in that moment that I needed to get back into my body. And I was taking a walk down H street in DC and I found the studio. Um, and it happened to be black owned by this incredible woman named June Idris, um, also known as master Idrisa. So if you're ever on H street and you want to stop by Master Idrisa's house, um, please do. Um, and she, like, she'd studied the science of movement. And I literally walked into her office and I was like, I need to get back into my body again. She was like, well, this is where to do it. And um, she, like, has danced with Alvin Ailey. And, like, she's just this incredible person. You'd never know it because she's a very, like, introverted person. Um, and so it's not until you take a couple of her sessions where she's going to begin to share with you her experience and that she also um, does a lot with um, West African dance, too. And so I just remembered that season of, like, 
finally feeling like myself because I was able to like move my body and she helped me even like pay attention to like everything from the way like every little bone in my foot to my pelvic hip movement to um, the bones in my neck and um, just that feeling of knowing like really knowing um the beauty that you are as God's creation by being able to like recognize every single part of you um is such a healing experience um and and maybe like to jump in and maybe not to jump in we'll figure it out um but so to Megan and I are currently in this podcast podcast cohort um led by Erna Hackett with Liberated Together um and it has been such a like a really beautiful and stretching time and one of the things that we've talked about in this cohort is about um being in colonized spaces and how colonization has disconnected us from the body and, and I just like bring that back to like the experience with Master Idrisa because she used decolonized um, tactics like, you know, West African dance and like yoga and Qigong, um, Eastern and African uh, different practices to help me get back into my body, right? So like ancient practices that weren't colonized to like help me heal and so I just think about like for us when we consider movement as healing um it is directly related to the systems of oppression that exist uh and almost like how we literally to move out of them we have to move our bodies um and so that's just something that landed for me in this conversation and just with my own experience that is so beautiful. Uh, I'm gonna have to get her information. <laughs> uh, yeah, but you know, that actually reminds me too, like before before uh, the death of my partner, I was like really getting into capoeira for the same reason, um, <laughs> because you have to be in your body and every movement matters, right? And um, the, my favorite part is uh, my instructor, contra, uh, I'm going to say it wrong, uh, Contramastra, there we go, Hakim. Um, he tells us that like one of the things to remember when you're doing papuera is that it should be beautiful. Mm. And so uh, every time we're doing a movement, he reminds us like what the flow looks like, how to move our body and um, just like, is it beautiful? Because if it's beautiful, you're doing it right, right? Because it's an expression as well as a martial art and um, very much resistant to (laughs) to the colonizers. I mean, it was started by uh, freed uh, enslaved people Mm-hmm. in Brazil um, mm-hmm. and they had their own little they had their place where they were able to live mm-hmm. and that's where they started this resistant um, martial art which it looks like a form of dancing because it was a hidden thing and it makes me think about that makes me think about like the work that we do and in, in, uh, together but in silence 
uh-huh. versus the work that we do together, but vocally and <laughs> uh, in public, right? Uh-huh. And how those have actually been showing up a lot in our spaces of protest and our fight uh, for liberation through all of the things that's happening around us, um, okay. you know? Okay. So, yeah, so thanks for bringing that up because that just actually reminded me of that for myself as well. Uh, <laughs> and which also reminds me to go back and do that since I'm in this <laughs> in this space of needing to heal, um, just being in my body. And I have found that to be the most important thing is mm-hmm. to not, not try to leave, just mm-hmm. to stay present. Um, mm-hmm in in all of this mm-hmm. so uh one of the things that i wanted to share um in connection to this was this beautiful book actually that i borrowed from laura <laughs> <laughs> called my grandmother's hands and uh is it resma is that how you say it I think so. Resma mm-hmm. Menachem or Menachem. I'm so sorry. Yeah, what's your... We we apologize because okay, yeah, all right. I'm not, I know I know the first part is Resma. So. Okay, all right. <laughs> this beautiful book, um, and it talks about like racialized trauma and how we can. Uh, mend our hearts and our bodies, uh, both black people <laughs> and people of color, as well as white people, and how that looks different, but all also how it's connected. And um, this particular book is just so gorgeous. Um, but one of my favorite things that he talks about is moving through clean pain, which he calls clean pain. And um, uh, it's such a strange, <laughs> in my opinion, it's like a strange uh, phrase because I'm like, pain, how is that clean? <laughs> but uh, he defines it as like choosing integrity over pain um, and letting go of things in this moment of grief or pain or conflict. Um, so that you can be and find your best self and, um, that you can take a chance. And, uh, he also mentions that healing doesn't happen in the head, which for me is really, really, really hard because I feel everything in my body, but all of the things that's happening, uh, that kind of like keeps me in that feeling is what's happening in the head. <laughs> the things that I'm thinking of, the things that I um playing play by play every every time. Mm-hmm. But um he offers that healing happens um is more likely to happen in our bodies. Mm-hmm. Um and that it can happen so much so that we can stay settled in the midst of conflict and uncertainty. Mm-hmm. And I thought that that it's very beautiful. Um, and he offers uh, five things he calls uh, the five anchors that you can do when you are dealing in a, uh, with a traumatic situation or when you're dealing with your own pain and uncertainty. And I just want to 
offer those to you guys, just in case you were wondering, like, what are some things that I can actually take from this? Um, and it's something that I've actually been doing actively myself. So the first anchor is to soothe yourself. Um, and he talks about soothing yourself kind of like where you calm down, right? So whatever you have to do in order to calm down in that moment, whether it take, means like take deep breaths or uh, be quiet. <laughs> um, one of the things he says is like, you can tell yourself to like calm the fuck down. I mean, that's fair. Uh, <laughs> put things down. Um, find something internally um, that soothes you, something pleasurable, something that can soothe you so that you can think straight and you can move mm. with integrity. And then the second anchor is notice the sensations. So notice what's happening to you. Notice the things that your body is telling you in that moment, right? And this is this is uh, what he's offering here can happen in a group setting, let's say at a protest, right? And like conflict arises, or it could happen in a more secluded setting, like where I am residing right now, right? So I am noticing um, in my own grief that a lot of the pain happens in my chest area. And I can mm. just, I feel it actually frame. This is the first time that I've actually been able to articulate everything that's happening in my body. Like I feel almost like a burning sensation when I feel yeah. the pain and it wow. feels like it's all throughout my chest and mm -hmm. in my heart. Like I, mm -hmm. that's where all of the pain resides. And so mm. when that starts to come on, I have learned how to acknowledge where it is, breathe mm -hmm. through it and just allow the tears to flow. Um, mm. Yeah. And then anchor three is accept the discomfort. Um, don't try to run away from it. <laughs> That's a hard one, y'all. Um, <laughs> it is. That's hard. Girl, I just... Mm -mm. Can I just... Can we skip this part? Like, there's... There's can so we? many. Can we please? Um, <laughs> uh, so one of the things he offers is that um, to stay away from this impulse to analyze or to think about the discomfort, mm. um, but to bring yourself back to what you are feeling, the sensation of it, to mm. acknowledge that. And mm -hmm. I have actually found that to be very helpful um, mm -hmm. during this time is when I start to get in my head and I start to analyze this then I'm thinking about all of the questions that will never get answered, mm. <laughs> right? As opposed to just being present in that moment, the pain that is real for me, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And acknowledging that this pain is there because of the love that I shared with this person, right? Mm. And so overthinking it definitely keeps me from truly feeling the things I need to feel so that I can heal and get through it. So mm -hmm. that's very helpful. Mm -hmm. And then anchor four is to stay present mm -hmm. um, in your body as you move through the experience mm -hmm. and stay present with all of the ambiguity, the uncertainty, um, and respond from the best parts of yourself. Mm, wow. Which, you're right? Respond from the best. <laughs> 
yes. best parts of yourself. Yes. Oof. And so same thing, right? So he, he talks in this one about um, finding yourself, like whenever you find yourself focusing on the future or the past, Mm-hmm. that you use the other three anchors to bring yourself back to the present and the here and now. Mm-hmm. Again, that's that like overthinking it, trying to escape, right? Mm-hmm. And I do that so well mm-hmm. when I when I am uncomfortable. Uh, my imagination can take me everywhere, right? But in, in, yeah, like I can think of all of the other wonderful things that I could be doing <laughs> or that will happen in the future or... Or, yeah, mm-hmm. go ahead. What were you going to say? I said I'm a six on the Enneagram. So, oh, y'all, okay. if yeah, you don't you... know what that means, you go into anxiety and fear mode Ooh. real quick. Quick, quick. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. I, I, that resonates with me about this challenge of how do you accept the discomfort, especially when you move towards the future. Yes. And then that creates anxiety. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, he, he also offers like, don't try to know what will happen next. Don't try to rest or finagle a particular response from anyone else. Um, and just act from the best parts of yourself, mm. from your own deepest integrity. Mm. And I'm going to keep a bit of privacy, but <laughs> I will say that this has not been the easiest. Um, not just... <laughs> Not just the pain of losing my beloved, but the things surrounding it has been very hard. And that has been the hardest part is keeping your integrity Mm. through some of the more shitty aspects of human nature (laughs) that comes out when people are grieving, right? So I'm quite grateful. Yeah. Yeah. Can I ask for you yeah. about how do you hear and understand what it means to choose integrity or what it means to keep your integrity? Like mm-hmm. what, what is, what is your understanding of integrity? Um, for me, integrity is, uh, okay. So the first part I think of truthfulness, mm. um, saying to what is true. Mm-hmm. Um, and honesty, as well as knowing who you are and allowing that the best parts of who you are to stay intact mm-hmm. despite everything around you that is really, <laughs> really begging for the 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 not so good parts of you to come out, <laughs> right? Uh, and so I don't think it has to do with like not being angry. I don't think it has to do with the emotion itself. Mm-hmm. I think it has to do with what you do with that emotion, mm. right? Um, what about you? Like when you think of integrity, what do you think of? Yeah, the first thing that comes to my mind is like, how am I being whole? And mm-hmm. as you said, like true to self, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so like, even as you bring up like the reality of of anger that happens, um, especially in loss and, and even like in betrayal and, and just moments of deep pain, it's like, how do I not lose myself in this? Because it is so easy 
um, for your anger to become rage and that rage to turn to animalistic and you are no longer yourself. Yes. Um, and this is being spoken out of experience because <laughs> I've done a lot of shit <laughs> in rage that yes. I take a step back and I ask myself, who am I? Yes. Like, that's, that's not me. Mm-hmm. And so like when you were just, when I heard, um, yeah, the, this understanding of integrity, it just makes me think, um, it makes me think two things. Mm-hmm. <sighs> One, there is, it is the practice of choosing yourself and choosing wholeness. Yeah. But I think on the whole other side of that, in a, in a system and a reality of racism and white supremacy and anti-Blackness, where so mm-hmm. often Black folks, especially Black women, are not seen as whole people. Yes. Or that we are just categorized by our anger or rage. Um, in you know, that act of choosing your integrity mm-hmm. um it is is a liberation. Like it's it's liberating yourselves from the systems that have imposed an othering on you. Yes. Um and so and just hearing that, like I really appreciate what that means, yes, for myself, but also for the reality of deconstructing a system that has never served me in the first place. Amen. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, I think that that is important because on all the levels, right? So on a personal level, um, for me, it's about also speaking the truth of my relationship Mm -hmm. with my beloved. Mm -hmm. It's holding onto the truths of that Mm -hmm. because the truth, the truths of that is also a a part of me and what I know to be true about me and the way that I express and experience and give and receive love. Right. Mm-hmm. So on a more personal level, that's where it stands. But I agree with you 100%, like on a collective level as a community, mm-hmm. holding onto our integrity means to, to stand in the face of things that have been put on us, mm-hmm. right. Not by our own doing, but by white supremacy Mm -hmm. um, and to hold true to the truths and the wholeness of who we are, to acknowledge our own selves, acknowledge what is good about us, all of the aspects of us Mm -hmm. um, in the face of uh, the things that dehumanize us. So yeah, that's so, so important. That's yeah. I like this anchor very much. (laughs) It's one of the harder ones, but (laughs) it is. So it's so profound. Like it's so profound and it's also deeply connected to our liberation. And just the one last thing that I'm gonna say, but I'm probably gonna say more. You should say more. But (laughs) I I just I, I see this like evolution of like I think about the civil rights movement and the respectability that was chosen of like, you know, I'm going to be in my best suit as I'm protesting, as I'm marching. This is what it means for me to be whole. And then from in 2020, Black Lives Matter, um, Movement for Black Lives, and just the statement of like, 
know what what it means for me to be whole in this season is for me to be unapologetically myself yes so and to embrace ing- to embrace my anger to embrace yes. my grief to embrace the way that I love um and 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 I don't want to see I'm not saying that one is greater than the other but I'm mm-hmm. just saying that I think in both instances of time it was for those generations of what it meant to be whole yeah. And what it meant to be, especially in the face of racism and white supremacy, saying that you will not take my humanity and this is how I'm going to show up. Right. And so I just think like how profound it is to kind of to have this practice connected mm-hmm. to it. Yeah. Like, oh, this is what it means to show up in my integrity yes. when people have me mad as hell in yep. the streets yeah. or with my beloved like this is what this is what it looks like yeah yeah this this book is life-giving I highly highly recommend it love it yes and I haven't read it yet (laughs) I have friends I I know you have your book is very good (laughs) 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 this is the funny thing about the book though yeah I found it in one of those outdoor library things uh-huh. along with like 20 other books. And I was like, I'll get to this one day. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm grateful that you let me borrow it. <laughs> and I'm grateful that you said it. This, this conversation. This is beautiful, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the last anchor is safely discharge any energy that remains. And I think this is the key this is what I've been taking with me this whole, these past 12 days, and I hope to continue on. It's this idea that movement, the right kind of movement, helps you to release the energy, the pain, the things that you feel in your body. And um, he recommends like sports or dance, all of the things that we've actually just shared about movement, mm-hmm. how that releases the. The, the things that you otherwise keep within your body, it, it mm-hmm. releases the trauma mm-hmm. um, and it helps you to heal. Mm-hmm. So mm. those are the five anchors. High Listen. key, 10 out of 10 recommend. Uh, <laughs> Listen. Listen. Yeah. And if you're listening and you have never engaged in a practice of somatics, of like somatics therapy, mm-hmm. like... I remember my first somatic experience. Soma means the body. And it is actually like this, it is this practice to get you um, not just back into your body, but for you to be aware of the dis-ease and trauma that remains. Um, And for you to kind of, it it almost like it awakens a sense of awareness. Yeah. Um, And yeah, like... I feel like somatics is a really um, beautiful and also challenging practice Mm -hmm. of releasing the energy that remains, especially in experiences of trauma. Um, And so this like Resma, I think it's Resma Mechanica. I think you're right. Resma Mechanica? Yes. Um, This is just... mm, mm, Yeah. mm, mm. And for those who didn't hear again, we'll put it in our notes too, but mm-hmm. it's my grandmother's hands and uh, 100% recommend. Uh, there's so many other beautiful practices that he offers in collective mm-hmm. spaces. 
um, for black and white and people of color, like all of our bodies, indigenous people, uh, and how we can collectively heal, but how we also need our own individual healing within our 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 people groups and and who we are because it is very like contextual and like it's about what resides within our bodies the trauma that exists and, mm-hmm. and one of the things that like I really 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 love is he talks about how trauma um, is passed through our DNA and everything but so is resilience so he speaks about how the both of those. Um, are things that we can pass along from generation mm. to generation. And I think that's so important that they go hand in hand, right? Mm. So, yeah, this is so, yeah. <laughs> I hope that that helps whoever it might be going through or if, like, you're an organizer, um, an activist, and you find yourself in these spaces, I, re- I recommend you read this book and really take some notes on how to take care of yourself. Um, through the fight, you know, take care of yourself, really be present in your body. Um, cause it's very sacred, you know, it's very, very sacred. Our bodies. Uh, yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. Yes. Yes. So we have talked about, I want to say like the practical, but I'm also like curious about like, where does a biblical witness fit, fit in here? Yeah. I so what's interesting is that we did the story at Wild Goose three four years ago three or four years ago Jesus it's been some time it has been some time and it's the story of when the Israelites crossed the Reed or what some of us say the Red Sea in Exodus uh, chapter fourteen through fifteen I recommend you go read that it's very beautiful but i'll give you like a summary and i'm going to show you some beautiful stuff that i actually just learned by just connecting that story with uh the anchoring points from uh resma and okay so now i'm gonna get into my nerdy fun fun time all right so this is the story about when Moses, you know, goes to Pharaoh. A lot of us know this, right? And it's like, let my people go. We know that song, right? And so, let my people go. go. Okay, so we got to that part. Pharaoh is stubborn. All the um, different plagues come on. And then finally, Pharaoh lets the people go. Only to be, like, (laughs) to change his mind again. As they are moving out of uh, the land. (laughs) And so he gathers all his troops and he starts to follow them. Then they come to the sea um, and they're right outside, right right near the sea. And the people see that Pharaoh and his army are following behind. And this is where the trauma begins. (laughs) This is where they're like... Hey, I mean, this is not where the trauma begins. Sorry. This is where they are triggered by the trauma they experience as a group of people. That's what I meant to say. Mm-hmm. So they see them coming and they're like, yo, Moses, why are you bringing us out here to die when we could have just died back there when we knew where we were, right? Like, <laughs> there were well enough graves over there. We didn't need to come all the way out here in order to die. Um, because 
they see their oppressors coming in on them, right? Um, with more weapons and anything that they have in front of them. So Moses <laughs> is like, okay, y'all, you know, <laughs> chill out after they start panicking. And what he says, this is the CB version. He says, don't be afraid. Stand your ground and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never, ever see again. The Lord will fight for you. You just keep still. Anchor one, keep still. <laughs> so Moses tells the people to just calm down, soothe themselves, because God will take care of them. The other thing that I did not realize before I studied this for today, that there was a God's messenger was with them. There was a celestial being that was walking with them. And so as Moses, they, they camp out and then the celestial beings cause, I believe it's a wind or something that keeps Pharaoh's uh, army away from the camp of people over the night. So they can't get to them. So they're now in the safety um, of, <laughs> of the heavenly realm, taking care of them, right? Of God's, God's chosen people are taken care of. And then um, as they start to move forward, that's when Moses raises the staff, I believe. And that's when the water starts to part. And then they start part, they start walking through the sea and then Pharaoh uh, and his army start to follow with them. But in the same, at the same time, this messenger is standing behind the people, causing a bit of disruption so that they can't get close. And um, so they start to walk through, and we all know the story how um, they get through the sea, the water parts to the right and left. But then as Pharaoh and his army go, the water starts to fall on them. Um, and they see Pharaoh and his army in the sea. So once they get to a place where they realize like, oh, we are actually free, right? And they see Pharaoh and the army in the sea. Uh, there's a thing, there's a song that is written and it says that Mo, it's Moses' song. Now, what we talked about in Wild Goose was that there's some uh, biblical scholars who believe it's actually Miriam's song that they mm. have given, contributed to Moses. Mm. And there's, the reason for that is because Miriam starts to get the people to start singing and, and dancing and everything once they have reached a place of safety. Mm. Um, so they are... They are moving along and they have to notice around them what's happening, right? So I'm I'm going to guess that they were hyper aware. So that's anchor two, noticing the sensations. They continue through this like really strange, like miracle, right? And also knowing that it, at any point, Pharaoh and his army could catch up to them. They accept this discomfort and keep moving forward. And then... Um, part of staying present, I believe, has to do with the singing that happens as soon as they get to the that place, like the, the acknowledgement that that's where they were, right? And then the movement, which 
I don't know how I, I didn't go back and listen, but I now interpret Miriam's drumming with the tambourine or the hand drum, they call it. Um, it may not have been tambourine per se, but it's a hand drum um, and inviting the prophet, the prophet Miriam, inviting the people to join in this song of liberation mm. um, and movement. I see that now just by what we have talked about and what I was learning as them releasing the energy of fear mm-hmm. and the trauma that they had been holding on to. Now we know that the people continue to get into these spaces where things get really, really hard. And I think unfortunately we've given the, the Israelites a really bad rep. Like when we read the story, especially as Christians, they do. um, about being complaining all the time and can't mm-hmm. they see that God is providing, but I just want to invite us <laughs> to acknowledge how hard it is to live through trauma mm-hmm. and how we tend to go back to the parts where that trauma exists mm-hmm. when it seems impossible when we're looking mm-hmm. forward. Mm-hmm. And it's like, of course they're like, why are we out here, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why are mm-hmm. we wandering in this place that has nothing for us when at least we had something, even mm-hmm. if it was not, even if it was just surviving, at least it was something, right? Mm-hmm. And on a personal level, I've been feeling that myself, right? It's like, I see that <laughs> I'm supposed to move forward in this, but all I want is for to have my love back. I just want that back. And so that is the constant, like, why is, why is this happening? Why am I here? Right. Why is this like this? And that goes back to, um, what's in this book about not focusing, not getting too much in your head, not focusing so much on the past or what the future will be, but being present Mm -hmm. in that moment. And Miriam offering this dance, this song, this music allows for the people to be present in the moment Mm -hmm. of the victory. That small, Mm -hmm. that very not so small victory. Um, And to truly embrace the freedom um, that they have received in this time. Right. Mm -hmm. And I found that to be very beautiful and very helpful when we're considering our own kind of trauma and our own responses to it and what it looks like to be present. Mm-hmm. No, some of mm-hmm. that is singing and dancing. Some of that is wailing and crying. Some mm-hmm. of that is just silence and lament. All of that is real and true and, and honest. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Biblical storytellers from Mika. You did it again and in a way that, you know, reconnecting um, the anchors um, of kind of moving through clean pain, because the reality is like the Israelites were in so much pain. And and I think pain that, um, of course, like we see in um the the narratives of enslaved Africans in the U.S. How often they related to the similar experience of the Israelites of seeking yep. freedom and mm-hmm. like 
you know, that pain is shared. And so I completely agree with you. The many times that we like talk about the Israelites about like, why don't they believe? Well, because they're in trauma. Like, come on, people. Come on. Come on. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We struggle with that also, right? Like in our own lives, it's very hard to have faith. I mean, just thinking now on where our life is and what's happening around us. Like still a pandemic, wear your mask. Let me just say that real quick. (laughs) Where I am, I'm not gonna repeat it, but where I am, people ain't wearing the mask. It's still a pandemic, y'all. Let me sip my tea. Yes. And there's a war happening. And we've dealt with so much death, so much pain so much grief, so much trauma. I think going back to that integrity part, um, I think the Israelites were just being honest about what their fears were, right? Mm. Um, And their fears was they they were no longer in their familiar place. Mm-hmm. Even if that familiar place was traumatizing, even if that familiar place was caused much harm, mm-hmm. it at least had pockets of familiarity and their families and their homes. And, you know, they learned mm-hmm. how to survive in a place that wasn't like necessarily the best place, but they learned how to survive in it. And so mm-hmm. it's better that they would, you know, for them in that moment, it would have felt better to live in that than to go to the unknown, mm-hmm. right? And to die mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. with no place to bury their people, no place to actually be with their families or the things that they could hold on to and anchor themselves to mm-hmm. in a way that often we, speaking of us going home, you know, being anchored mm-hmm. in that love. Mm-hmm. So, of course, <laughs> they're like, bro, why did you bring us out here to die? <laughs> like, <laughs> what are you doing? Mm-hmm. You know, and Moses is then like, hey, God, you hear your people? <laughs> I'm not trying to be your scapegoat. Can you fix this? <laughs> and God is like, bro, I gave you a stat. It's like everybody's talking at each other. It's great. That's how I see the story, honestly. But I love it. I love it. But I'm also wondering. Uh No, keep going. I'm sorry. No, I think this is just a funny thing. When I read this text, I'm also wondering if Moses is like, well, I don't, I actually don't know. I just got the staff. I'm up here about to wave it. And I'm scared as hell myself because all these things are happening. You know, I, I, because I, I do feel like there, there are sometimes when when we are leaders of a movement and like we can't see the vision but we still gonna move forward right like but it's that's a terrifying space to be 100 percent um and gosh like I just wonder if um, Moses is also holding on to that fear as well like God, yeah I'm bro scared you you see me out here with all these people I need you to go ahead and fix this. You know, and God is like, right. I gave you the staff, my God. Like, (laughs) Yeah. It's just (laughs) all 
of it is just like dialogue of like people responding in their trauma right Mm -hmm. and ain't that the truth yeah and so i think when we read these stories if we were to hear them as like just people dealing with life Mm -hmm. and how they understood god to be moving among them in this time of trauma and this time mm-hmm. of real life situations and not be so concerned about like how did the red sea you know get <laughs> split open was that really true it's like guys there there's it's just because a, tr- a story may be like built in le- in legends and and miracles doesn't mean that there's no truth within it right like Reach we don't back. We don't need things to completely go along with our scientific minds. Let's get out of the analyzing and into the into the bodily existence of the stories. And that will actually get us to the place of healing along with the other things that we do, you know, for ourselves externally as a community. So that's my word for for this episode. <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna be silent there, and nothing else to say. Okay. That a hundred percent, right? That's it. That's it. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I think I think that's enough for. <laughs> Sorry. That's enough for today. I'm, that's enough for today. I'm so raw right now. Um, mm-hmm. I just want to thank you, friend, again. Because I don't think that I would be able to do much of this without you. Mm-hmm. I know I am surrounded with a lot of people. Um, and I will say you have been one of the anchoring parts um, throughout this. And I appreciate you. And I love you so, so very much. Uh, yeah, this is, this is hard. Um, it's very painful. You might not hear it right now because, (laughs) uh, I also, there's a level of vulnerability that I, I just, I want to hold to myself, but, um, yeah, I am looking forward to the spaces where I will move through the grief and maybe the pain won't go away, but it won't be so so prevalent, right? Mm. And so in the meantime, I am taking all of this in and trying to move through it um, mm. and also just be moved by it, right? Because I yes. think grief has its own movement. Mm-hmm. It touches you in different ways and moves you in different ways. And I think, one of the ways to heal through it is to allow the movement to take you where you need to go Mm -hmm. instead of trying to fight against this current. So Mm -hmm. I just want to offer that also as Mm -hmm. a connection to the people of Israel. Imagine if instead of moving forward between the, the, when the sea parted, imagine if they, got so disoriented that they started to walk towards the water themselves instead of in between them. 
like mm. the danger that they may have been even, you know, putting themselves in. And they trusted, they trusted that the waters would not fall on them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this is one of those moments in my life where I have to trust that I won't drown in the sorrow. Mm -hmm. I will just move through it. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah. And if you're going through, I hope you hear this as a word of encouragement um, that you're not alone and uh, there is a way to move through this. Hmm. There is, there is, and you are moving. And I am so deeply grateful to be here with you and for you to invite me and be open with me and share with me um, as, as you journey, um, yeah. but you're moving. And um, I just also just offer um, for anyone who is listening um, to know that not only are you not alone, but we pray and hope that in this conversation that the practices that we've offered and Resma's, uh, my grandmother's hands, moving through clean pain, um, the somatic um, practices, the dancing of Miriam, <laughs> anything that we've named um, in this conversation um, that invites you to move your body. Um, because as Tamika said, like, there is so much happening uh, in the world, whether that is the ongoing pandemic, the war, the reality of living through racism, and white supremacy, and our Black beautiful bodies and our bodies of color. Um, and we need to hold ourselves. Yes. We need to hold each other. Yes. Um, so we pray that in any way that you need, that you are able to do just that and to return to your body. Um, so I love you too, sister. Thank, Thank you. you. Amen and Ashe. Amen and Ashe. Do you want to <laughs> thank, thank folks? Yes. Okay. We'll jump into thank yous. First of all, thank you to all our listeners and your support uh, for continuing to journey with us in the For Color Girls podcast. So excited about season five. We want to say thank you to the one, the only Shay McCoy and all the photography and goodness and the many ways you let us live out loud our beautiful Black girl magic. Hey, (laughs) Hey, Shay. Thank you. Thank you. And shout out to Pure Vibe and all your help and support in making this season for college girls happen. We're grateful for you, Kat and Brennan. And until next time, we are for college girls. Peace, y'all.